Well, we're continuing our study of making choices that matter, and we're talking about choosing to be transformed, letting God change us from day to day. And we're looking at the fact that Paul said that we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed, and he tells us how to do that. And he says it's first by presenting our body to God, and it's a once-for-all commitment. Once you belong to the Lord, the Bible says your body is his, and it's to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are to give it to him and totally surrender to him. Stephen Olford, uh, one of the great pastors and preachers of, a past, of, of the late uh, 1900s, said a young lady came to him and said, all this business about consecration and surrender is sheer nonsense. It doesn't work, she said. I've tried to surrender to the Lord. It does not work. But Olford said, I considered that she needed a strong word, so I said, my friend, you've lied to God and to me, for I know that you've never yielded your life. Rather shaken, she begged me to explain, he said. New Testament surrender, I told her, is not a matter of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It's a contract for life. If you say that you've surrendered your life to God, what are you doing off the altar? If you say that you've surrendered your life to God, why are you trying to be in charge? You see, if you've really given your body to him, it's like a whole burnt offering that was taken and placed upon the altar in the Old Testament. It never came off. It was there. It belonged to God, and we belong to God once we make that all-out total commitment to him. The idea here is that you offer your body to God for his use, and it stays that way forever. Now, you may sometimes not let him have his way, but then you have to remember, hey, I'm committed to him and get right. Now, there's some very good reasons for doing this, Paul says, presenting our bodies to the Lord. First, he says, it's the right response for all that God has done for us. Paul says, I urge you to do this by the mercies of God. You see, all the mercies that God has poured out on us are, are, are an incentive for us to respond to him and say, here is my life, here is my body. In the light of what God has done in your life, if you are a believer and dying for you, rising again to be your life's, sending his Holy Spirit into your life. And since that's true, you're righteous before God. You're a, you're a different person than you used to be. In the light of that, then his mercy has called you. I like the, the old poem that says, I will not work my soul to save, for that my Lord has done, but I will work like any slave for love of his dear son. It's out of love and appreciation for what he has done for us that challenges us to let ourselves be totally committed to him. Uh, in an early morning communion service in Central Africa, an old liberated slave leaped to his feet and gave a testimony. He said, when I was a lad, I was accompanied, I accompanied my small sister to the watering hole one morning when a neighboring tribe suddenly surrounded us, gagged us, bound us, and carried us from our homes. Later, we were sold to slave traders. My body was sold for the price of a chicken. With deep emotion, the old man then paused for a moment and said, this morning we have remembered that the one who paid the price for, for, had royal blood in order to liberate us from sin. His estimate of my worth, man's estimate of my worth was a chicken. God's estimate of my worth was his son. Such love demands all I can give. I have told the Lord that I'm going back to that tribe that sold me into slavery and tell them about Jesus. It may mean my death, but that is okay. You see, I've given the Lord my body, and everything else is in his hands. See, that man 
had been treated as a worthless piece of trash, but he came to know a God who loved him and treated him as someone so important that the God sent his only son to die for him on the cross. And that same thing is true for us. You see, there's a second reason that, and, and for, for our presenting ourselves to him forever, our body, and that is it's logical. It's a logical, rational service of worship. When we commit ourselves to him, it pleases God. It, it gives us time. It, it worships God. We present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, not as a dead sacrifice, but a continually living sacrifice. And if we please God, there's nothing we can do higher than pleasing God. It's extraordinary to please God. And it, it really expresses uh, the kind of worship that God's want. You see, real worship is not just coming to church, singing a few songs, hearing a sermon. Real worship is giving ourselves to him and doing what we literally can to be his. I like the way the Jerusalem Bible translates these verses. Think of God's mercy as brothers and sisters and worship him. I beg you in a way that is worthy by offering him your bodies. That is the way you really worship him is by giving him yourself. Yeah, I think of the little girl who was at church and didn't understand all about it. And, and the, the pastor had the time for the offering and he suggested that everybody give their offering because they wanted to give themselves. She didn't have any money. So when the usher came by with an offering plate, she asked him to put it down low on the floor and he didn't understand why. And then when he realized why, she tried to step into the offering plate. She wanted to give herself. You see, her heart was where it needs to be. We need to give ourselves. Give our money, yes, but give ourselves first. And as we give ourselves, then we, we get into this place where God can begin his transforming power in our lives that continues long after we come to that relationship with him. Next, transformation continues with daily choices. There are two choices that Paul says we have to make if we're going to be uh, uh, continually in this process of transformation. And, and these are both in the present tense, which means they continue, and they, we, they're choices that we have to continue to make. One is negative, stop conforming to the world. One is positive, renew your mind. So let's look at the neg negative one for a moment. Stop conforming to the world, Paul says. You see, Williams translates this, stop living in accordance with the customs of this world. Philip translates it, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Just like you can pour cement into a mold and it hardens in that shape, you can pour your life into the molds of this world and be like everybody in this world. But if we refuse to do that, we can be God's special people. Henry Van Dyke made a statement that I think describes what Paul meant. He said, you may have to live in a crowd, but you do not have to live like a crowd or subsist on the food of the crowd. You and I have a choice, and we can be pushed, shoved, pressured, but we still can make a choice not to be conformed to the world, not to go along with the world's standards, not to live the way the world uh, lives. Some of the ways we can tell about, about this is our attitude toward material things. And if, if that's what matters most in our lives, then we're conforming to the world. If all that matters is money and things and prestige and power that comes from that. And, and on and on we could go to talk about different areas that could help us see if we really are 
conforming to the world. If we're really, if the most important thing is for us to be accepted by other people, then we're conforming to the world. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, so I hope you'll tune in and be with me. God bless you. Have a great day.